Hi, I'm Heather. Welcome to another episode of It's a Wonderful World. Please remember to connect with me at divinewonderland at gmail.com and share and like the show. Let's get started. Hi, Juliet. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I'd like to start with our first question. And you are familiar with it. I'm sure you had a chance to think about it. <laughs> Not that that helps anybody. <laughs> Not that helps anyone, but here we go. Describe your essence. Um, so I would say if I were describing myself and how I see myself, I would say that I'm, you know, a shy person, but also an overthinker <laughs> and excessively sensitive, funny, um, forgiving, a struggle, a struggler of making decisions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I go back and forth from being a person who likes to play it safe to a person who does not play it safe at all. And I'm probably also very lazy as well as an obsessive worker. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, so how would you differentiate what you've just listed as your essence? How would you differentiate that from your personality? Um, You know, I guess sometimes in your personality that you show the world, you try to be the opposite of what you really are sometimes, especially if some of your essence is there may be traits that you wish that you could shed a little bit. (laughs) Wishful thinking on all our parts. Wishful thinking. Yeah. So, you know, I, I try to overcome my shyness or try to overcome some of my overthinking, those types of things, and, and try to be the opposite in my personality sometimes on on those in those types of ways. That's really interesting. So you're saying in terms of your understanding of your essence, it's all the things that come through even when we try to block them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) What experience or experiences moved you to focus on the cultivation of your journey to self? Whatever that journey to self means for you. Yeah. So I guess, um, Staying true to form to my essence, <laughs> I um, I got out of college and I um, tried to play it really safe, and I um, joined the corporate world, and most of my career up until a few years ago was spent in advertising agencies. And I felt like, I, I guess I was playing it safe because I felt like I was still kind of in a creative world because it was the world of um, advertising, which is a bit more creative than the rest of corporate America. But when it really came down to it, it was just corporate America. And I... <laughs> <laughs> What does that mean? It means that I was in an office every day with office rules. I wasn't really creating something, you know, from my heart. I was a part of a team creating something for 
you know, one company or another um, that it had to adhere to rules um, and, you know, pertaining to each particular company. And it wasn't really about individual creativity, although there were elements of of kind of individual creativity that could be brought into what you were doing, it was limited, very limited. And, um, and in my heart, you know, I'm really a fine artist and, um, and I, and that's what I wanted to be doing. And it wasn't until a few years ago that there were actually kind of a bunch of big life-changing events that happened to me that made me really um, reevaluate what I was doing in life, kind of kind of at a late age, because I'm a little bit of a late bloomer, <laughs> which is an understatement. And um, <laughs> so I think that, you know, the biggest of those life-changing events was um, that my parents both passed away within a year and a half of each other. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it really made me question everything that I was doing in life. But um, very specifically, it made me question my career choice in life. That is painful. My condolences. Oh, you know, it's, it's still fresh. Yeah. Well, I mean, now we're going on. It's been, you know, it's been some years, but um but that's what led me to change my career from advertising to to fine artist. So you've always had this heart for fine art. Your parents transition a year and a half uh, from each other. Sometimes that's not enough for people. What was it about their passing specifically that made you say, oh, I'm a well, you know, I mean, I grew up in this artistic family. My mom was an artist. Um, my dad had spent his early career acting on the stage in New York. Um, and when they got married, they decided to come back from New York to Baltimore and open an art gallery. So we grew up, we being me and my siblings, in a very creative and artistic environment. and. And I, in particular, um, spent all of my time as a young child drawing and painting and doing collages and um, loving to, you know, look at art and go to art galleries and also read plays. <laughs> Those were my two big loves in life. Mm -hmm. And I, um, w when I went into college, I uh, was studying painting and at the last minute, as I was very close to graduating, I decided maybe I better also get certified to teach art um, because there goes that dichotomy of playing it safe and not playing it safe. Yes, then, yes. <laughs> so I got very concerned that I better have this fallback, you know, of of a job. And um, so, so... As soon as I got into my art teaching classes, I realized I didn't really want to do that as a career, but I felt like I had to follow through and get out of college already. <laughs> then as soon as I, you know, got out of college, I went in another direction and didn't teach art. And I was working in advertising and I, I you know, it was just this path of never following what I truly wanted to do because of fears. And I think that when my parents passed away, it just was like a reminder to me of 
you know, what my true joys were and where I came from and what really spoke to me and made sense to me. And um, it just re-reminded me <laughs> of who I was, I guess. So what did playing it safe cost you? Oh, well, I, I mean, probably time. You know, time is the biggest thing because I put a lot of my time into into things that really weren't fulfilling to me. Um, I I mean, I'm optimistic as a person in general, which is one of the traits I forgot to mention as part of my essay. <laughs> It's not too late. It's not too late. Okay. And so I, and I am optimistic and I think I, I do see a lot of the bright side of things and the positive sides also. And so I don't want it to sound like I think I wasted time, but I think, um, so I did get things out of being in the corporate world and things that I am using to this very day. So nothing was a waste of time. It's just that I did give up time that could have been fully focused on, you know, my individual artwork as opposed to being looking in another direction. So it, it, it helped me to do that, but I also have a little bit of feeling of like, well, you know, if I hadn't been doing that, it would have been that much longer that I would have been immersed in the art world. Do you think you would have actually been ready had you gone into it directly? Maybe not. Maybe not. Because like I said, I'm a very late bloomer. And so when I was uh, 25, I was probably you know, everybody else who was the age of 25, I was probably the equivalent <laughs> of 15. <laughs> so you keep mentioning late bloomer. What does that mean to you? Well, I'm the youngest in my family, you know, of all the siblings. And I think that um, I was late to do a lot of things. Like I didn't get my driver's license until I was 22. Um, I, there were everything you can think of that people have their first of mine came years later than the average person. <laughs> so you followed your own schedule. What yes. do you find wrong with that? Um, I don't know if there's anything wrong with it, but just in terms of putting it into context for people, <laughs> I, I guess, um, it makes sense to say late bloomer because, what that really means to me is on average, if everybody did such and such at a certain age, I was, you know, years later in doing it. But you were on time for yourself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, yeah. <laughs> because you're, ha you're having much success with your artwork, right? Yeah. I Yes. I, I Much success in a variety of ways, you know. So for me, maybe I define success or maybe everybody defines it, you know, slightly differently. But for me, it feels very successful. And what is it? What is success looking like for you? Well, for one, the biggest indicator of success for me is that the minute I open my eyeballs in the morning, <laughs> I don't have a feeling of dread. I <laughs> I want to get out of bed. I'm excited to get out of bed. Sometimes it's even hard for me to go to bed <laughs> if I'm, you know, really immersed in a current project. Um, 
And I, I had never felt that way ever in my life as it pertained to my career until I started doing, you know, until I became a full-time artist. So tell us a little bit about this art that is keeping you awake in a joy-filled way. Um, so if I, if I'm working on a painting, I, I usually, you know, there's a whole process for me. And once I get to a certain, um, you know, step or part of the process, it turns a corner of becoming obsessively fun and exciting. <laughs> and I don't really want to stop what I'm doing. I want to keep going and, and watch things unfold and get better and better. And, um, and I start to just get so excited that it's hard for me to put the paintbrush down. And, and when I do, it's usually because of lighting and eyes getting tired. <laughs> and then I'm so excited to wake up in the morning, you know, feeling refreshed and eyes not being tired and the light being terrific. And, um, so it's it's that type of excitement that kind of overtakes me and makes it hard to go to sleep and easy to wake up. I've had a chance to look at your art and correct me if I'm wrong, it appears to be very woman centric. How would you describe it? Well, so I would just that would be one way that I would describe it. I think that, um, you know, art um, really comes from the individual creating it. And I, another attribute that I forgot to mention about myself. <laughs> keep them coming, is, keep them coming. Is that I think I'm, you know, a very extremely feminine type of person. And my sensibilities are, are very feminine, which again, may be different to, you know, each person that you ask, what does being feminine mean. Um, but I guess to the way that I kind of define it, I feel like I have a whole lot of it <laughs> and in, in my essence. And um, I can't help but for that to come through in my artwork because I feel like anything I'm creating is really, it's just an extension of yourself. Yes. And um, so it doesn't surprise me that you would see, you know, female centric. And when you talk about feminine, what comes to mind for you? Um, What's Juliet's feminine? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess for me, it's very kind of like nurturing and um, sensitive and um, looking it, it, to elaborate on sensitivity. It's looking obsessively and deeply into things um it's softness but strength um it's quiet but bold <laughs> <laughs> so you know i feel like femininity is a lot of contradictions you don't you know what you see on the surface a lot of times um is just quietly stating what's underneath the surface in in a strong way and um i guess that's femininity to me uh, i a lot of you know how i define it comes from my mother who 
it seems like a lot of this interview or discussion um, <laughs> is talking a lot about contradictions. Or that's fine. That's saying. fine. But, you know, in a lot of ways, my mom had a lot of that in her personality. And I think it was passed down to me and, and some of my other siblings as well. Is just, um, you know, she, my mom to me was like a feminine, an ultra feminine feminist. <laughs> 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 so she was she was very soft in a lot of ways and very nurturing but she she was also very strong and very go her own way and very confident um in just a soft kind of manner it it's it's a little difficult to explain now that I'm trying to say it. <laughs> I think you're doing a good job <laughs> now that you're right. actually hearing yourself explain it what really stands out for you about this contradiction that your mother had in terms of, of her femininity and feminism? Well, I think that she, you know, she went to college at a time that um, most people, most women either were not in college or they were in college for being maybe a secretary or a teacher. Those were the biggies. And my mom was in art school and she was one of the few women in art school. And she had to wear dresses or skirts every day to paint in. And um, there were, you know, maybe it, it, there were just a lot of rules for the women that were very, what we would think of as old fashioned. But I think my mom, it didn't even cross her mind of, wow, I'm going to art school and there's very few women there, or maybe they won't take me seriously, or can I really make a career out of something like this when barely a man can make a career out of it? <laughs> and, and I just don't think those thoughts cross my mom's mind. I think she just saw herself as a person and um, that, yeah, as a person, this is what I want to do. So why would I not do it? You know, yes, um, yes. But at the same time, she loved kind of waiting on my dad in certain ways that were very old-fashioned. Like she loved cooking for him and taking care of him in very nurturing ways. But when it came to decisions being made in the household, they were very much partner-made decisions. And and if they had to be slanted one way, like if it was a fifty-one percent partnership, <laughs> I would say that my mom was actually the fifty. I, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's that. So I think she was a great role model for, you know, all four of us, but especially for me and for my sister, because um, she really showed us what it means to be, you know, female, but also that being female isn't really um, defining you even though it's part of what defines you. <laughs> Indeed. So when you think of your mother's legacy and, and, and her being a role model and all that you pulled from her, what from all of that is simply Juliet? Well, I mean, I'm definitely, you know, coming into my own and, and did grow up in a different time than she did. So I didn't face the exact obstacles that she did but but I do think what I took from her that is uniquely me is 
is to be uniquely you and not to be apologetic for it. Um, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying about the late bloomer, it's not necessarily a late bloomer. It's just what makes sense for you. And, I, you know, I think she taught me that that's okay to be who you are. And um, even if it is going in a different direction than other women or other people, <laughs> It's okay. It is okay. It is okay. Yeah. What does your journey look like in terms of love, joy, forgiveness, compassion, dreams fulfilled, all those things that pertain to your wholeness? Well, I mean, in terms of like love and compassion and joy, I think that those are three things that are very important to me. And I think, um, it's almost impossible to feel creative and open if if you're unable to feel, you know, on the whole or on the, um, what's the word, on the majority feeling um, love and joy and forgiveness. Because I think when you're caught up in the opposite of those feelings, um, those feelings start to kind of dictate your thought process. <laughs> and it's very hard to, you know, think about things such as creative concepts and, and being open to creating when you're feeling hate or feeling anger um, or just feeling unhappiness, at least for me anyway. <laughs> I, I'm such an obsessive thinker that if my thoughts are in a negative place, then um, all I can think about is negativity and it almost, um, like makes me feel like I'm in, um, concrete and or quicksand and I can't do anything but think in a circular manner. So mm -hmm. I definitely can't paint or draw if I'm, you know, thinking about negative feelings. And you, you, you use a lot of bright colors in your work. So to think on the negative side of things, <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't want to see those paintings. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually do paint about sometimes negative topics, but I think that I, you know, I honestly see even negative topics through uh, some of the more like joyful and optimistic feelings, even if there's sparks of feelings that are in there. And, um, and that's what I tend to kind of lean towards in my thinking when I develop the paintings. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't see ugliness or see bad things that are happening or see injustice because I do. But um, for me, you know, what is most productive to kind of like learn from those things in life and to understand those things in life and to make those things better is to kind of focus on the more positive elements that can take us down the road of, of you know, something better ultimately. No doubt. You kind of tie into this next question, and that is, how does your focus on your well-being help you in meeting your life's challenges? Yeah. So, I mean, I always have... Um, been a person that's focused on my well-being so i like um in terms of the most obvious you know i try to be a super healthy eater and and move around and um and bring my mind to a positive place when i feel it going towards the negative and um 
And all of those things, how I, you know, for me, help me to be a more productive and creative person. So I'm constantly trying to work on my wellness in, <laughs> in every respect. We're, we're in middle age and I'm sure other women would be curious, other listeners in general, what does super healthy eating look like? What type of movement are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, so for me, um, very healthy eating is about um, lots of fruits and vegetables and, um, you know, just like whole foods. So um, cooking things on your own and and trying to not buy things that are in boxes because um, I just a long time ago, I would say probably in my early 20s started eating really healthy because my dad had heart problems since his early 40s. And so um, at that time, doctors were really talking about food as medicine and food to, you know, help in in your overall health plan. And um, so I just started to try and eat healthier. And, um, and then after a while, when you do that, where you're eating whole foods and you're, um, and you're cooking for yourself and, and you're eating lots of fruits and vegetables, once you do go out to eat and just an run of the mill type of restaurant and you buy a run of the, uh, you order a run of the mill meal. Um, <laughs> it tastes very salty and sugary <laughs> and which is shocking, but your taste buds kind of change, you know? And, um, and moving around to me, I mean, nothing crazy, <laughs> but just, um, you know, I like to take long walks and just move and, and feel good. Sometimes I'm in, you know, a gym or on a piece of equipment, but like walking is probably my biggest exercise. And I love walking. Yeah, me too. I think it's like not too hard on your body, but you're moving and you're outside and it just feels really, really good, you know? Indeed. So what has been the outcome of this life choice? Of the life choice of, of painting, you mean? Of eating well oh, and no. movement. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it uh, just overall, you feel better, right? So it's, um, it's, it's a whole, whole kind of like philosophy of you want your mind to feel good, you want your body to feel good, because then it kind of just frees you up for doing whatever it is that you want to do beyond those things. So for me, it's painting and creating and thinking about concepts. And if I have a stomach ache or I don't fit into my pants or, <laughs> or my legs hurt from, you know, not moving around enough, then I'm just like focused on myself and my body and not feeling well and I can't get past that so so what it means for me is just feeling as good as possible mind and body so that I can focus on the things that bring me like joy and passion and meaning oh Julia we just often when you know we think about eating in a more healthy fashion moving more we think about it simply for the health reasons and not for the joy of us being able to live doing the things that we love to do. Yeah, I agree. You know, so that that is a, a good perspective. When you think about aging or evolving, how has that made you better? Well, I don't really 
think too much about aging. Um, again, this might be the late bloomer thing, but I feel <laughs> eternally 15. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, as I've like each year had a birthday, I don't feel any different in terms of like how I feel physically. Um, I, I try to learn from mistakes in my life, which there have been a plenty. <laughs> so I guess aging, you know, hopefully helps with that for me because aging just really means experience in my mind. And um, so I try to learn from mistakes that I've made. And that's probably been the biggest, the biggest kind of thing that um, aging means for me is learning. Why, why the age 15? What's special about that? Um, well, I just said 15 again because I said it earlier. So it was for artistic <laughs> life. <laughs> All really right. So, <laughs> if, so if it's not 15, where do you think you not stop the clock, but where you see yourself? Well, if you see yourself at any age. Yeah. I mean, I don't really think I see myself at any age. I really just think I see, you know, kind of myself. I, um, I, you know, not to be cliche and say that, you know, age is just a number and all of those goofy things, but, but truly <laughs> it kind of is just a number besides the fact that we have limited time on earth and, um, you know, right now for me, it's just a number because nothing has changed. So I don't mean to minimize, you know, once like in life, if people, their health starts changing and it's a, it's a factor of age because, you know, we can all live forever or stay healthy forever, but I just haven't felt any of those limitations yet. So I think that age just hasn't become a factor in my mind yet. That's wonderful. You know, so for you, Aging would be a feeling, is what I'm sensing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you say, Juliet, to your future self five years from now? What would you want your future self to know? Um, I would want my future self to know that I was proud of myself for making the decision to, you know, do the things that bring me joy in life. Um because again, you only have a limited time here um, that we know of, and um, you may as well make the best of it because it's, you know, life is a gift to us. Indeed, indeed. I hear your buddy in the background. Yeah. I, I, I had to put mine in the other room, so no problem. Well, I just shut the door on him <laughs> because he is extremely spoiled. Oh, my and, gosh. And also... Um, has no idea about age because he's 10 going on 11, but he also a late bloomer acts like he's three. <laughs> so is mine. So is mine. Yes. Yes. That's the best attitude to have. I think we can, you know, follow them, right? Yes. In terms of their understanding. Just take it light. You see the little gray on their, you know, snouts and whatnot. And it's like, ah, whatever. Right. Exactly. It's all good. And can I go outside and play? That's, that's the only thing that matters. Agree. <laughs> in, in terms of some of the major insights on your journey to self, what have some of them been? Some of the major insights. Well, I think some of the major insights are to, you know, find a way to love what you're doing in life and, um, you know, 
to exactly what what I said to really find your joy in life. And um, that's one insight and really follow it. Um, I think there's always a path to follow it. And so to kind of let go of those feelings of there is no path, there's no way I can do what it is that I think my joy is, you know, kind of stop telling yourself that something's impossible because I almost feel like not anything is possible, but in, in some form or another, um, you can find you can find what it is that you're looking for, you know, in, in some way or another. So that's one insight or two insights, I guess, um, that I have found on this journey. Yeah, that word impossible, it, it creates a, a block yes. before we can even explore, right? What yes. Is possible. <laughs> yes. What else would you like to share with our listeners about your journey uh, that we haven't covered? Well, I guess I would say that, um, you know, not to be, and this kind of ties back to some of the things we were saying in the beginning, but just not be afraid to be yourself and not to be afraid to, you know, be unapologetic about um, what you're putting out into the world and um, um, not to be fearful, which, you know, I kind of struggle with myself on a daily basis because it, it is hard to put your personal thoughts and feelings in whatever form they come out. And you have to hear what people have to say. And sometimes it's not so nice or sometimes it's not an agreement. And but you can't let that hinder you, you know, to be authentically you. Julia, thank you <laughs> for being timeless, unapologetic, joyful, fearless, and unique. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sharing your wonderland with us. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Love yourself more in the midst of your wonderland. Peace.